welcome to The Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking. I want to start today's show off by talking about the, the big trade that went down between the Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. So I want to start off by saying this. I, I think what Miami is doing, what Miami is building, is something that is going to be very successful for a long time to come. I think what Miami is doing is they're they're stocking up now. They're getting, you know, they gave the third pick to the San Francisco 49ers for, you know, a first-round pick and some other picks, maybe another first-round pick. I can't remember all the trade details. Then they traded that, you know, then they traded back up, giving up one of their first-round picks for the 12th pick for the 6th pick that the Philadelphia Eagles had. So now the Eagles go down to 12. And for me, like when I look at this, what Miami is doing is they're setting their, themselves up. And for me, I think they're doing something similar to what the Cleveland Browns did with Baker Mayfield. And what the Browns did with Baker was they, they did this. They gave him OBJ. They gave him Jarvis Landry. They gave him Najoku. They gave him Kareem Hunt. They gave him... Nick Chubb, they give them all these weapons. And the Dolphins are doing what the Cleveland Browns are doing or did for Baker, what the Browns did for Baker. And that is they are surrounding Tua with a bunch of weapons and they are saying there's no excuses now. Because likely, with all likelihood, the way that the draft is probably going to fall, there could be quarterbacks one, two, three, four. That means five would be Panay Sewell. And then the Dolphins at six would have their pick of Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, whoever they want. Because what I think is this. I think the Dolphins are going to to take I, – I, I mean, they signed Will Fuller. They had Devontae Parker. They have a good receiving core outside of those two as well. So I'm not really sure that they need to draft a, a wide receiver. I think they go – and I know they have a tight end already that's really good. But I think they go Kyle Pitts from Florida with the sixth pick. I think what they do with Kyle Pitts is, you know, they give him. So they give Tua, the tight end they already have, and they give Tua Kyle Pitts, Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, some other good wide receivers, and they say, okay, listen, no more excuses. And they'll probably get a running back, whether it be the first round or second round. And they'll say, no more excuses for you, Tua. This this is it. And then they'll find out what kind of quarterback and what Tua can bring to a team off of how he performs against or with, with the team that will be given to him. I think they're building draft capital to build around Tua and to really give Tua his opportunity to see what Tua has because they pulled him a lot last year, and I was against it. I came on here and I talked about it. I was against the Dolphins pulling to a Tagovailoa in favor of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I said that you know that that messes with somebody's you know mental. It messes with their with their confidence. And it doesn't really give a rookie quarterback the reassurance that he needs to go forward. But now you know by making this trade, to me, it's telling them that telling Tua that we're all in. We're going to give you everything that we we can give you physically and. And everything we can give you personnel-wise, now you have to give us what you have left. Now, what does this trade mean for San, for San Francisco, who now goes to three? And this will go into a, a topic I'll talk about after I'm done with this. 
The 49ers traded up to three to get a quarterback. They didn't trade up to three to get Panay Sewell. They didn't trade up to three to get Michael Parsons. They didn't trade up to three to get Justin Jefferson to get Kyle Pitts. They didn't do it. They didn't trade up to three to get anybody else but a quarterback. And I think the question becomes what quarterback did they want? I think initially, you know, there were reports out that they tried to trade up to two. I think they originally wanted Kyle or um, Zach Wilson. I think Kyle Shanahan really wanted Zach Wilson, realized we're not going to get our hands on Wilson, and said, okay, we got to go with another quarterback. I felt like at the moment, I made tweets at the moment, that they were going to go with Justin Fields. I mean, I felt like it was imminent. Those two were meant to meant to be. And we'll talk more about the situation here in a little bit. But yeah, basically what I think is the, the 49ers made this trade so they could trade up and go get a quarterback, whether it be Fields, whether it be Lance, whether it be, you know, Wilson, whether it be Mac Jones, they traded up to the third overall spot to get a guy at the quarterback position. And then Philly, I think Philly messed up here. I mean, I, I think they could have had Justin Je- – or not Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. I think they could have had Jamar Chase. I think they could have had some other guys that would have worked out really well for them as far as the receiving core. I mean, they, they missed on Jalen Rager last year. They missed big time. And so they needed another weapon that could really come in and really be sound for them. And they didn't get that. And, you know, I think trading back to 12, it kind of puts you out of range of, of a Jamar Chase. It kind of puts you out of range of a of a Kyle Pitts. I think it really kind of puts you out of range of, of a Devontae Smith. Maybe Smith will fall to you if you're lucky. I mean, the way, you know, it depends on how 9, 10, 11 work. If, if they work the way we think they're going to work, it, it, it could happen. You could get a Devontae Smith which at that point would be better than taking Jalen Rager, who you had last year. So now, having said that and having going through all the different scenarios that I think we'll, we'll see and why I think each team made the trade that they made, let's talk about this Mac Jones situation. Because there are a lot of reports now that the San Francisco 49ers, after they made the trade, are trading up to get Mac Jones. Mac Jones on my latest quarterback rankings, which I released on yesterday, on Wednesday, I had Jones as my fifth best quarterback in this draft. And, and I think it's true. I think Trey Lance provides more as far as arm strength goes, mobility, um, just physical tools and gifts. I think he provides more. Uh, you look at Justin Fields. I don't have to say what I have to say about Justin Fields. I've already said it. Everything that... I love about Justin Fields. I've said here on the podcast before, and so I don't need to say it or repeat myself to say it again. Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, those three are literally like no need to even like discuss. Like obviously there are reasons that those three are the upper echelon of this class. So now I want to turn my my focus on the comments made about the 49ers potentially trading up to the third spot to draft a guy like Mac Jones. And here's the thing. I think Mac ultimately is a good quarterback. I think Mac has some intangibles and some tools that you look for that you want in a good quarterback. I think, you know, Mac Jones overall is what you're asking for if you're, you know, a GM or a a coach in the NFL. He's a good leader, all that good stuff. But here's the problem I have with Mac Jones. I think he's the fifth best quarterback in this draft class. If you trade up to get the fifth 
best quarterback in this draft class. I don't care. Listen, I heard a lot of people talking about, you know, when I, when I talked about how if I was the Falcons, I would trade out of the four spot because I wouldn't draft a defensive guy, which they need at the four spot. I wouldn't draft a Micah Parsons there. And I had people tell me, like, you know, if you need the guy, it doesn't matter. If you love the guy, it doesn't matter. You take him there. I, I disagree. I understand if you love the guy that you need to take him, but you also don't need to reach for players at the same time. And I don't care if you love a guy or not. It's a reach. Like for instance, 2018, I loved, or 2019, I love Will Greer coming out. If I would have drafted him in the first round, that would have been a reach. I'm just saying it would have been a reach. I loved Will Greer. I thought Will Greer was, you know, had a chance to be a really good quarterback still do in the NFL. But I said before draft day, after I'd done more film work, after I'd done more study that he was, and I repeat, he was a day two guy. You know, round two to round three is where I would have taken him. He went to round three. And so, you know, I don't care if you love a guy like Michael Parsons. I don't care if, if you love a guy like Mac Jones. The point is, you don't you don't trade up to get a, a Mac Jones when you could have traded up to eight to get Mac Jones. You could have traded up to, to seven to get Mac Jones. Six, even. And you would have given up a lot less to get Mac Jones. You would, you would have given up a lot more or a lot less to get Mac Jones. You give him a lot more to get the number three overall pick. And so when you look at that and you think about, you know, what Mac Jones is as a quarterback and what he can give you physically, it's mind-boggling to me. And so, you know, what really helped secure this in most people's mind is this like is the fact that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan skipped Justin Fields' pro day to go to Mac Jones' pro day because both Mac Jones and Justin Fields had a pro day yesterday. Mac Jones apparently had a second one. And here's the thing. And here's the problem I have with that. Or, you know, I guess it's not really a problem because I've already said what I had to say. But I guess, like, here, here's the thing. And here's my thoughts on that. One, I think this. I think, one, the 49ers have already seen all they need to see from Justin Fields to be secure and safe that he's the guy. They've seen all they need to know to know that Justin Fields, if they took him at number three overall, would be the best pick. And that they were just doing their due diligence for Matt Jones. Or, they really think Matt Jones is the guy. And if Matt Jones is the guy, then they have a problem. Because, listen, I, I understand and I heard people, you know, Chris Sims, for instance, right, talked about, you know, Matt Schaub and look how good Matt Schaub, Matt Schaub did under under Kyle Shanahan when he was in Houston and all that stuff. And I get that. But I'm going to tell you what I tell you when I talk about Dak Prescott leading the league in passing yards. I'm going to tell you what I tell you when I have my arguments about Jameis Winston. Yards don't win championships. Yards don't win games. Touchdowns do. And so what? Matt Schaub led the league in passing with the 4,000 yards plus that he threw. Who cares? Who cares? What matters to me and what matters is can you win? I think the best possibility for the San Francisco 49ers to win is drafting Justin Fields or Trey Lance at the number three overall pick. Taking a guy like a Mac Jones who we saw in his pro day miss a a lot of players overthrow a lot of players. He overthrew a lot of wide receivers, a lot of different weapons. 
He overthrew Devontae Smith, Najee Harris. He overthrew them a lot. Now, I don't know if that's overcompensating for the fact that he didn't really throw a lot of deep balls in that first pro day or what it is, or if he's trying to show off that you know he does have the arm strength. But the point that I'm trying to make is San Francisco already lost a Super Bowl because a quarterback overthrew their wide receiver. And now you want to draft another guy who does the same thing? Except, I mean, I, I, I mean, yes, I would say that this guy, Mac Jones, is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Sure, I mean, I think he's got more talent-wise as far as like being more mobile, being able to extend plays out of the pocket. I think you know Mac Jones is underrated in that sense. But I don't think Mac Jones is worth the number three overall pick. And you know who am I to question Kyle Shanahan? And, and you're right, like I understand Kyle Shanahan's. Resume speaks for itself, and his reputation speaks for itself. But I'm just saying, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of different looks coming his way if he takes Mac Jones over Justin Fields or over Trey Lance because taking Mac Jones at three, to me, is a mistake. I, I look at it and I say this. there On no planet, on no atmosphere, do I look at Mac Jones and say, this guy is better than Justin Fields, this guy is better than Trey Lance. I don't. I don't look at it and I don't say that. Because it's not true. So for me, I, I I get it, whatever. You know, all these people are gonna say what they want about, you know, Kyle Shanahan and how he, you know, really likes to how he really likes Mac Jones and guys like Mac Jones. But for me, I think it's a mistake. I want to take this time now to tell you that the Morning Brew Stew is supported for and brought to you by Manscaped who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology development to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. That's 2 million. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. 2 million people worldwide. That's how many have said that Manscaped is the best, and that's how many trust Manscaped. We have an exclusive offer for all my listeners. You can save 20% off of your purchase plus free shipping with the code OTBN at manscaped.com. That is OTBN at manscaped.com. Again, manscaped.com is the place to be. And it is the perfect package coming up for, for whatever is the Lawnmower 3.0 kit. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best. That Manscaped has to offer. And to me, the Lawnmower 3.0 is the perfect gift, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary. I know Christmas is a long ways off, but if you want to go ahead and purchase it, you can. Whatever is coming up. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the perfect gift and the perfect package for the person that you love, whether it's a son, a husband, whatever, boyfriend. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the one you should get, and you can get 20% off plus three free shipping when you. Use the code OTBN at checkout at manscaped.com. That's OTBN for 20% off at manscaped.com. So the Philadelphia Eagles did move back to 12. And here's the thing. You know, I think the thing with Philly, if I was a Philly fan, I'd be upset. Because, you know, they're obviously telling people and telling the fans, you know, hey, you wanna, we want to win. This is the thing I have, the problem I have with the Pacers. And this is where... I my dismay, shall I say, for the Pacers really comes up. You know, I, I look at the Indiana Pacers because I, I grew up in Indiana. I grew up here in Indiana. I've I still live here. I have f- friends that are Pacer fans. I have 
family members that are Pacer fans. I have a lot of people in my in my life that are Pacer fans. And so I I you know I get upset when I listen to the Pacers say like, hey, we're in this to win a championship, we're in this to do this, we're in this to do that, but their actions speak different. Have you ever heard of the same actions speak louder than words? And and to me, that's the the thing is that the Pacers' actions speak louder than their words do. That's the same with the Eagles. The Eagles' actions, they speak louder than the words do. Listen, I don't think Jalen Hurts is a franchise guy. People tell me that he is, and you know they base it off the, the Saints game, but they failed to look at the other games where he only completed like 56% of his passes, things like that. You know, I, hey, you know, whatever. You want to overlook things, it's fine. They do it with Jameis Winston all the time. They overlook the uh, interceptions, and they just tell me about the touchdowns and yards. But, hey, you know, it is what it is, and who am I to judge, right? But when you look at Jalen Hurts, the, the thing with Jalen Hurts is this. If he's going to be successful in the NFL, he's going to need weapons. I don't think Jalen Hurts is a franchise guy. I don't think Jalen Hurts is a guy you could build your team around for the next 10 to 15 years and convince – the other 52 men in the locker room, that that man can take you to the promised land. I don't. I came on a podcast and I compared him to Tyrod Taylor, and I stand by that. He is a Tyrod Taylor type of player in the way that he plays. His pro comp to me is a Tyrod Taylor. I think Taylor has a bigger arm. I think Taylor obviously is, you know, he's more of a natural thrower. He's obviously a better, you know, more natural leader. I, I'm not, that's not a knock on, on Jalen Hurts, but what I'm saying is, you know, Hurts or Taylor's been in the league a lot longer than Hurts has. So you look at it, and for me, for me, Jalen Hurts is nothing more than an average quarterback. I don't know if Jalen Hurts will ever be a top 15 quarterback in the league. I don't. I don't think he ever will be. I'm being dead serious. I'm going to go on. The record, and I'm gonna say it right now, and y'all can clip this, you can screen record, whatever. That way, you can play it again and tag me when he is a top 15 quarterback in the league. But I don't think Jalen Hurts will ever be a top 15 quarterback in the league. And I say that because I, you know, I think he was elevated in college due to a Lincoln Riley offense that helped out his his style of play. I mean, you look at him in Alabama, and I understand people can grow and that they can become better throwers through different teams and, and different scenarios and all these different options. I get that. But what I'm trying to get at and the point I'm trying to make and, and where I'm getting at with Jalen Hurts is, like, you go back to Alabama, he couldn't throw to save his life. He couldn't throw to save his life. He goes to Lincoln Riley, and all of a sudden he's really good. But he went to the Big 12 where the, where the defenses stink. He went to a, a very quarterback-friendly offense with a quarterback-minded head coach, a guru show. Shall we say, like, like so to speak, that's what type of quarterback Lincoln Riley is or type of coach Lincoln Riley is. He's a quarterback's guy. And so when you look at it and you look at the Jalen Hurts thing, it's like, oh, this is natural. Like, obviously, he's going to he's going to be the guy. And that's where a team like the Philadelphia Eagles take a guy like Jalen Hurts in the second round. Also, I thought Jalen Hurts was a third or fourth round pick. So, and this wasn't meant, this was not meant to to slander Jalen Hurts. And this whole topic for me was not meant to come out and be like, well, Jalen Hurts is a bum. I, I don't think he's a bum. I don't think that Jalen Hurts is a bad person in any way. But what I'm trying to say is I think he's an average quarterback. And the 49ers traded up to get number three. 
and that put the, you know, Dolphins at 12, which left the Eagles at 6. The Eagles were already had the 6th pick. You had a chance to get a guy like Jamar Chase. You had a chance to get a guy like a Kyle Pitts, and you passed on the opportunity to move down to 12. But you're going to tell your fan base, you're going to tell you know, everybody in the media, you're going to tell everybody around the organization that you're in it to win, that you're in it to build around and, and to help win for multiple years. And maybe you do with the extra draft pick or whatever. But surrounding your young quarterback who was a second-round pick, who, after the Saints game, didn't really play that well, with a weapon, because you drafted Jalen Rager last year and he stunk, that's the problem. That's where, when you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles did and where they messed up, this is, to me, the biggest problem of them moving down to 12 is the fact that they tell their fans they're in it to win because they're not. I mean, I'm not okay. That's not fair to say that they're not in it to win because every team's in the, in the game and, and every organization's in it to win. I, I fully believe that. But what I'm trying to say is winning isn't as important as important to you as you're telling your fans. It is. It's the same problem I have with the Pacers because your, your actions speak louder than your words and in this case, the Eagles' actions tell their fan base that we're not really serious about you. That we're not really serious about winning. And sure, we got an extra draft pick. We'll probably draft another Jalen Rager like we did last year. We'll probably do that this year too. And hey, you know, it is what it is. All right, so I want to transition to this now. I want to talk about this. It's, it's another quarterback. It's another situation. Most mock drafts that I see now and most scouts and and tv scouts and and not even tv scouts podcasters people who love the draft like i do and others are convinced that quarterbacks are going to go one two three and four in the nfl draft listen i i i went on twitter and i said this and here's the thing i'm going to start by saying this it's the same thing i said when i first said what i said about jalen hurts back on the you know, a podcast a few few episodes back. I this is nothing against Zach Wilson. This is nothing against what Zach Wilson brings to the table. But what I'm trying to say is this. I don't care what kind of quarterback you have, who your quarterback is, if you don't have an offensive line to protect them, it doesn't matter. And here's the point. And here's the thing. I understand that, you know, Everybody does this, right? And you look at it with the Colts. And would I have wanted them to draft an offensive lineman over Andrew Luck? Of course not. Would Would you want the Bengals to draft an offensive lineman over Joe Burrow? Of course not. But the difference with that is I, I the Colts had Curtis Painter. Peyton Manning was coming off a of neck surgery. You weren't sure really what kind of Peyton you were going to get. The doctors were all telling you that Peyton was pretty much done and that like he wasn't, he was not going to be the same quarterback as old. So here's this once in a generation talent sitting here for you to get. And then on the other side with the Bengals, you know, you looked at it, Andy Dalton had kind of been hurt. It was time for him to go. You were, you were moving on from him anyways. You looked at it like, okay, I know that, we should take this guy and whatnot. And Joe Burrow's the obviously the clear cut number one. But I say this Zach Wilson's very impressive. 
what Zach Wilson has are the same reasons I fell in love with Jordan Love last year. The same reasons I said Jordan Love was a better quarterback coming out in the draft than Justin Herbert. I loved Jordan Love. His ability to make big league throws in the back corner of the end zone, his ability to make throws on the run, his ability to, to extend the plays with his, with his legs. Those are the things I loved the most about a guy like Jordan Love. And those are all the attributes, all the things and and athletic ability that Zach Wilson brings to the table. But I'm telling you this. The Jets have Mekhi Becton. And Mekhi Becton's really good. He's better than I thought he was. Better than where I had him slotted at last year. Mekhi Becton can't be your only good offensive lineman. You need another one. And there's a guy who, in some aspects, I've heard some people say that Panay Sewell is a Quentin Nelson type of player. Quentin Nelson is a once-in-a-generation guard. He, Quentin Nelson was a guy who people were saying was a gold jacket guy before he even got drafted. People were saying Quentin Nelson was a gold jacket player before he even got drafted. That's how certain they were of Quentin Nelson. I've heard several people say the same thing about Panay Sewell. If you're going to pass on Panay Sewell, you better be sure that the guy that you pass on him to take is the guy. And here's the thing. I don't think taking a quarterback number two overall when you need an offensive line to build around that quarterback is the solution. And I, I think the Jets would take Panay Sewell over Zach Wilson. This is not a knock on Wilson. This is not me saying, oh, Wilson isn't that great. It's none of that. It's me saying, I look at Zach Wilson, I look at his frame. But Stewart, look at Kyler Murray. I understand that. Now, my point is this. I think the Jets taking Zach Wilson would be a mistake. Because what does it solve? Nothing. It solves nothing. Congrats, you have a quarterback. But he's getting the crap beaten out of him. I watched what happened for six years. What happens when a quarterback doesn't have an offensive line? I've watched what happens. Sure, the Colts went 11 and 5, 11 and 5, 11 and 5. But it doesn't matter. Your quarterback retired six years in. Doesn't doesn't matter. Your quarterback retired two weeks before the season started. Congrats. That's the point. Congrats. You got Joe Burrow number one overall last year, but he didn't play the second half of the season. Why did he not play the second half of the season? Because they took Joe Burrow with no offensive line. Am I saying that they shouldn't have taken Joe Burrow? Of course not. But what I'm trying to say is this. You want to give your quarterback the best situation you can. And by not taking Panay Sewell, it doesn't matter if it's Sam Darnold. doesn't matter if it's Zach Wilson. doesn't matter if it's Justin Fields. doesn't matter if it's Trey Lance. doesn't matter if it's Mac Jones. Heck, it doesn't even matter if it's Trevor Lawrence. Whoever you don't take... Whatever quarterback you take over Panay Sewell is going to have the same problems that Sam Darnold has. And then we're going to hear about, well, Sam, you know, Sam Darnold, we we didn't really believe in him. And I know he went to this place and had success. But, you know, and I understand that, you know, we're struggling with, with Zach Wilson and all this stuff. And he's, he's having turnover problems because he has to rush the ball because we don't have an offensive line. And I get that. And that's where you're going to be if you're the New York Jets and you take anybody but Panay Sewell with a second pick.
I think the Jets would take Penesel. It's not a knock on Zach Wilson. It's not a knock on Justin Fields. It's not a knock on Trey Lance. But I think they should take Penesel. And I think they should take Penesel because I think what Sewell brings to them is what they need. Penesel, in my opinion, is the guy that can fix their offensive line. You put him alongside Makai Becton, and the interior of your offensive line is set. The interior of your offensive line is set for the next decade. And then whether you take JT Daniels next year, whether you take Sam Howell next year, whether you take Spencer Rattler, whether it's Keaton Slovis, whether it's Sam Darnold, whoever you take in next year's draft, or whether you keep Sam Darnold, is fully protected. But I fully believe Panay Sewell's the the option and the pick that the New York Jets should go with. If they take anybody else, to me, it's a disservice to Sam Darnold, to Zach Wilson, to Justin Fields, to Trey Lance, to whoever their quarterback is next year and, and so on and so forth. If you do not take an offensive lineman with the number two overall pick, especially a guy like Panay Sewell, you are gladly mistaken, in my opinion. Hey, I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for, for tuning in to the Morning Brew with Stu. I enjoy doing this. Again, if you, if you enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. Please let your friends know, you know where they can find this and all those good things. Again, thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening.